so good to be with you this, this morning in Power Church. You look beautiful. Are you excited to be in church this morning? Pastor Gebert sends all his love all the way from Derbs. They have had an amazing hunger conference so far. They are busy with their morning session as well. He's with Apostle uh, Neville, Evangelist Daniel. We've got the privilege to have Pastor Roger with us this morning with Pastor Shannon. So good to have you with us. And um, I just believe that God's going to do something awesome in this service today. Vilma says aloud, amen, because she was in our first service. I want you to take out your Bibles this morning, if you would, Empower Church. And I want to be speaking to you this morning about the God that cannot fail. The God that cannot fail. Won't you open your Bibles, Mark chapter number three. We're going to be reading from verse one. I'm going to be reading from the New Living Translation. If you've got that with you, otherwise you can just follow us on the screens. Mark chapter number three, verse number one. Let me read the scripture and then I'll share some thoughts with you from there. Mark chapter number three, verse one. It says, Jesus went into the synagogue again and noticed a man with a deformed hand. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. If he healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, come and stand in front of everyone. Then he turned to his critics and asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? But they wouldn't answer him. So he looked around at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand and it was restored. <laughs> oh, I'm so excited about what God wants to do this morning. I believe that we find ourselves in an incredibly powerful um, appointed time in this season of our lives. Whoever you joined us for our hunger conference last weekend, just a quick raise of hands. Most of you. For those of you that didn't, you've got to go check it out on YouTube. Just look for Empower Church Main and check out. It's been an incredible weekend. It's been a weekend where God has just ushered this church into a new sense of revival. Come on, can anybody testify that God is doing something new? Um, just by a quick raise of hands, do we have any first-time visitors here with us this morning? Just quickly, if you're new for the first time, won't you raise a hand? Anybody? I see some people there, some people there. Can we welcome them? There's some people there as well. So for, for those of you that's new to Empower Church, this is not a quiet church. Is that all right? I want you to be loud this morning. If something speaks to you, shout amen. If you don't agree with what I'm saying, shout amen. It sounds the same, but I want you to be loud this morning. If the word of the Lord speaks to you, respond. Always respond to the word of the Lord. It's our response that positions that seed in fruitful ground. Come on, are you ready this morning? So as we were just um, busy with a hunger conference last weekend, I... I felt the Lord just speak to me personally about revival that He's ushering us into, um, not just as a church, but just personally as well for us as a family. Just things that God is reviving. It's, it, it almost sounds like a cliche because if I look back on the last 17 years that I've been at this church, we've spoken about revival many a times, shifting seasons, 
into the new. But every time where God has said those things, He's truly taken this church into something new. From strength to strength, glory to glory. I'm not sure if there's anybody here this morning that says, I wanna step into something new with God. Okay, there's like three quarters of you. I don't know what the rest of you are doing here this morning. Is there anybody that wants to step into something new with God? Come on, is there anybody that wants to be revived? I don't know about you, but I've taken that for myself. I've said, God, revive me. Revive every area of my life, every dead thing, everything that's not lined up with your will for this season of my life. Revive me, Lord. And the Lord spoke to me about that revival, that He is the God that cannot fail. On His end of the equation, there's no lack. It's not like, does God want us to step into that? Is it God's will for us to have it? No, God wants us to step into revival. God wants you to be revived. God wants you to be renewed. It's His desire. And I had this picture as the Lord was speaking to me about Lazarus, that Jesus called forth from that grave. And He said, Lazarus, come forth. And in that moment, Lazarus came back to life and he stepped out of that grave. But then Jesus commanded the people around him to do something, and that is to untie him, to loosen him from the grave clothes. May I submit to you this morning that there's many a people seated in this place this morning, watching online, and you're saying, I wanna be revived. I wanna step into something new. I wanna possess everything that God has for me, but we still find ourselves wrapped in grave clothes. It's like 17 of you that agrees with me. There's often things in our lives that keeps us from possessing everything that God wants us to step into. And it's God's desire that we will step into His perfect will for us as a church, for you as an individual and for you as a family. He wants you to possess it. But there's many a times things that holds us back. May I suggest, may I submit to you this morning that in some area of our lives, we all have a deformed hand. (laughs) I'm just gonna preach to this side this morning. Is that all right? In all of our lives, in some way or another, there's a deformed hand. What is a deformed hand? Some Bible translation says a shriveled hand. It means that he had a hand, but it was not functional. He couldn't use that hand. And I don't know what your deformity is in your life currently. Maybe you're facing things that feels like in that area of my life, it feels like I'm not functional. Maybe your marriage is not functional. You have a marriage, it's not functional. Maybe you are looking at areas in your life, maybe there's sickness that you're battling. It's an area that's not functional. Maybe you wake up every morning of your life with fear and anxiety that grips your heart. You wanna pursue God, you wanna live for Him, you wanna go for everything that is God, but it feels like fear paralyzes you. Maybe for most days of your life, you walk around with doubt and unbelief. You come to church on a Sunday, it feels like your faith is strengthened. You're like, yes, Lord, we can do this. But by Monday afternoon, it just feels like you're caught up in the cycle of of unbelief. Maybe some of you seated here this morning, it feels like you are constantly trapped in this battle of worry. It's like your mind always goes to areas where it feels like, God, what if this? What about this? God, what do I do there? Maybe you're seated here this morning and these are some of the things that we don't wanna admit openly in church, but maybe you sit here this morning and you're addicted in some area of your life. Maybe those sleeping tablets is just something you cannot stop taking. 
Maybe you sit here and you say, Eric, I've been addicted to pornography for 15, 20 years. I just don't know how to break free. I want to step into that revival. I've, I've shouted amen last weekend. I was here in the prayer line. I, I, I want everything that God has for me, but it feels like it's just, it's this moment of, of, of being revived and then I just fall back into something. Now, no, that won't be you, of course. We don't like to admit these things. But how many times is that not true in our lives? That God moves His church in a direction, but so many people lack behind. And it's not because God has not extended that invitation. It's not because God doesn't want you to be, not to be there. It's because we ourselves find ourselves stuck in those grave clothes. That's why so many people look like, looks like a mummy hopping around in life. There's no momentum, there's no movement because I'm so stuck. I'm wrapped in stuff. I still have that deformed hand. I can't function properly. I hear the promises. I say, yes, Lord, amen at the right places. I do everything I'd feel, I know what to do, but it's like I'm just not breaking through. I wonder if there's somebody like that this morning. And I believe with all of my heart that this morning I said to him, Lord, what do you want me to share on Sunday? The Lord said to me, Eric, I have called in a season of revival and I want no man and no woman to fall behind. I want nobody to miss out on what I'm doing and want to do in their lives. And if you would be bold this morning, if you would be brave to say, God, revive me, then God will do something in your life today that will position you for breakthrough, that will position you for the new, that will position you for revival in every area of your life. Verse number one, it says, Jesus went to the synagogue. In our modern day translation, it would be Jesus went to church. It's amazing if we look at the Gospels, most of the miracles that Jesus did, He did outside the walls of the church. But this specific miracle, He came to do inside the church. As Apostle Nikki said on Monday night, it's actually been said many times, the revival will always start in the church. Come on, I'm not sure if I'm speaking to any revivalists here. The revival must start in the house of God. There must be something that starts to burn in the church again. Because there's people out there that's desperate for revival. There's people out there that's desperate for change. They're desperate for renewal. They're desperate for breakthrough. And we hold it. We carry that revival fire. Many of the answers that our community are looking for, we have it. Many of the challenges that your colleagues are facing, you have an answer. Some of the problems in your family, you have the solution. That's why revival must start in the house of God. There must be something that burns in our hearts again this morning. There must be something that happens in our spirits that says, God, that is me. I wanna be a revivalist. And I don't wanna just use that word cheaply this morning. God, revive me this morning. Set me on fire, God, that I can run into this world and they will come to watch me burn. That people will, will look at my life and say, the same breakthrough that I see in his life, I want that as well. And Jesus steps into the synagogue and there the Bible says was a man with a deformed hand. We don't know anything else about that man. We don't know his name. We don't know where he comes from. And many a times we start to label ourselves according to the deformities in our life. Come on, I'm still speaking to the right church here this morning. We start to label ourselves according to the deformities. That's the adulterer. That's the addict. That's the whatever you have labeled yourself or the enemy or people around you has labeled you with. The man with a deformed hand. 
But I believe that God wants to bring people into a place of renewal, a place of refreshing, a place where we can step into greater glory because this is the time that God has destined for us to have that. Then it says, verse three, since it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. Can I just have the keyboard sound a bit up here on stage on the monitors? Thanks, James. Because it was the Sabbath, Jesus' enemies watched him closely. The enemies that the Bible speaks about, they were the Pharisees. We see later in this chapter that they were the very people that accused Jesus and then went to, to plot how they can kill him. The Pharisees, the religious of the day. Allow me to submit to you this morning, friends, that the challenges we face, the enemies out there, is most often our own religious mindsets. Uh, friends, I need an amen somewhere here, maybe on this side. Our own religious mindsets, the way that we, some cooler is blowing on me here, this is beautiful, I'm just gonna start preaching from this exact place for the rest of the service. So, so our own religious mindset, what is a religious mindset? A religious mindset is my way of thinking, the box in which I place God, my understanding to which I limit God. It's, 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 it, it, it's, it's, it's sad to see how many people have gone to revival meetings, revival conferences. They've had incredible moments of impartation, moments where God has touched their lives and then it's like we just fall back into these old patterns. We're just stuck in the old things where we've, ever, where we've always been stuck in. What is that? It's our religious mindsets that conform us to a specific pattern that we have created for ourselves. And that's what God wants to break us into. That's the mindset that God wants to take us into. And I pray that in this morning that something of our own religious mindsets, our own religious thinking, how we see and perceive God, what we think He should and shouldn't do and how things should and shouldn't work, that that be broken in this morning so that we can step into something greater. It says, if He healed the man's hand, they planned to accuse Him of working on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a deformed hand, Come and stand in front of everyone. <laughs> Come and stand in front of everyone. I'm not sure if you've ever read that scripture and thought to yourself, why would Jesus do that? It's like me saying, everybody that's here this morning that's struggling with addiction, come to the front. And often in calls like that, we would be somewhat okay with responding because addiction is quite general. But it would sound quite weird if I say, everybody that's got an addiction to pornography, come and stand outside, stand in the front, present yourself to the congregation. Everybody that's committing adultery currently, come and present yourself before this congregation. Awfully quiet in the house right now. I mean, all of our thoughts would probably be, just, you know, that's heavy, why would you do that? Man? Shame, the poor oak standing here, how must he feel? But that's what Jesus did. Man had a shriveled hand, he says, I want you to come and stand in front of everybody. Friends, we cannot expect God to usher us into a revival if we are not willing to present ourselves honestly before God. I'm not here this morning to call you out on your sins. I'm here this morning to tell you that God wants you to present yourself before Him. God wants you to stand before Him as honest as what you can be. I love the message translation, Matthew chapter number six, where Jesus teaches about prayer. 
free translation, he says, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door behind you and be there before God as honestly and as simply as you can be. That's what God requires in this time. It's not people that say amen at the right places. People that can speak in tongues loud. People that's got all the charismatic movements in church. No, he's looking for honest people. People that will say, God, I want to be revived. I want to be renewed. I want to be refreshed. God, I will present myself before you. When last have you gone into your inner room and say, God, this is me, the man that you have created, the one you dearly love, but God, I have a problem. Or do we go to our prayer rooms and say, no, my wife is the problem. Or am I willing to go into my closet and say, God, I have a problem. Come on, am I still speaking to some real people here? Do we need the coolers on, off? Some of you looking like you get hot, others look like they're getting cold. I'm sweating profusely here, but I'm just gonna keep my jacket on for now. Come on. Jesus says, come and present yourself before me. He asked him to present himself before that congregation of people. And then he turned to his critics and he asked, does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save life or to destroy it? And the Bible says they wouldn't answer him. I want to come down. I want to illustrate something. Rehard, you know what's going to happen now. But Rehard is just amazing. He's become like this um, living prop. I use him in all my sermons and he's amazing. Can we give Rehard a hand quickly? So Rehard is the man with a deformed hand. And you don't have to have a deformed hand, but... We all know he's got one. For now, he's just hiding it because he's ashamed of it. And that's the reality. Is that every single one of us seated in this church this morning, have got, you've got some form of deformity in your life. And I'm not saying it to be literally. I'm not, I'm not saying it because uh, I, I want to offend anybody. I'm saying it because it's the reality. You're either struggling with pain within yourself. You're either struggling with fear, with doubt, with unbelief. You might be struggling with depression. You might be struggling with addiction. You might sit here and smile, but your marriage is in absolute chaos. And you're crying on the inside, God, please help me. Maybe you're seated here this morning and you're not with your spouse. Your greatest desire would be that he or she would sit next to you, but they're not here. There's a deformity in your life. That's something that's not functional. And God is not looking for perfect people, but He's looking for people that will present their deformities before Him so that He can take that and do something with it. It's people, you might be seated here this morning, you're addicted to something. It might be tablets, it might be alcohol, cigarettes, pornography. I don't know what you're addicted to. And you will know as you sit here that you can respond to 50 altar calls. You can come out to every revival meeting um, prayer line. You can say amen at the right places. But for as long as what you've been struggling with that addiction, it just feels like you're not breaking through into what God has for you. Come on. That's the reality. That's the, that's the power of a deformed hand. Is it doesn't matter how much you try, there's some things that will just keep you back in life. You'll never be able to step into the fullness that God has for you for as long as what you're hiding that hand behind your back. We cannot come out of a hunger conference hear the Lord speak about revival, a season that He's leading this church into, 
and then we remain people like this. We cannot. We'll never see the fullness of what God wants us to step into. But here's what I love about Jesus, is Jesus calls this man forward and he presents him in front of everybody. Can you imagine what this man is going through right now? What if people see my hand? What are people thinking about my shriveled up hand? But Jesus presents him in front of everybody, but then Jesus does something strange. He calls the man forward, but then he starts to speak to the crowd. He calls the man forward, but he speaks to the crowd. Why? Because the biggest problem in that room was not the deformed hand. It was the religious mindset of everybody seated in that room. And you know what often happens? We feel that call from God. We feel that invitation like many of us have felt this past weekend. Like God is just saying, come into something new. It's there, it's open, it's free. Just step into it. The price has been paid, it's, it's open. You don't have to do anything. You've just got to step through it. And many of us take that step of faith and then it feels like Jesus has still got his back turned towards us. Have you ever been there before? It's like you take that step of faith, you respond in obedience, but it just feels like the response that you actually thought Jesus would give you, it's not, it's not the response you get. And in that moment, many a people will move from standing there to just going back and finding their seats. I've spoken to people, they said to me, oh, Pastor Eric, you know, I've been at the revival meetings in 1995. I've seen the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in 2000 and that. But they still find themselves dry where they are now. Why? Because many a times we've responded. But because in our religious boxes, our mindsets, God doesn't respond the way we want Him to respond, we lose passion. And we take our seats again. But Jesus asked this man to stand. Like Rechard, what a brave man, standing for the last five minutes. And Jesus addresses the religious mindset. He says, this Sabbath day, is it a day for doing good or evil? Is it a day where we save life? Or is it a day where we lose life? As I read that scripture over and over this week, you know what I realized? that the mindset that Jesus was challenging there and at the very core of the religious spirit lies this one question, is God really good? <laughs> is God really good? Because if this man believes that Jesus is as good as what he said is, he'll keep on standing there. It doesn't matter how long he needs to stand. If you believe that God is as good as what He says He is, then you believe His word because He's good, cannot fail, He's faithful. So let me use a practical example. You find yourself in a season of financial poverty. You're struggling financially. Maybe some of you are. I'm sure there's people here this morning that's finding themselves in a difficult space financially. If you believe that God is good, will change everything about what you believe around giving <laughs> uh, okay let me make it practical in the service or in a service somebody says I feel like God says so so a, a, a sacrificial seed this morning for your breakthrough 
And in that moment, it's like God prompts your heart, give everything in your account. The thought comes up, give everything. And in our human nature, our first response will be like, <laughs> God, give everything, God. What's happening there? The religious mindset. Oh, no, God. Whoa, no, it's got everything I've got. God, I've still got to pay that. I've got to buy groceries. I've got to do this. And I try to put God in my religious box, my formula. This is how He works. This is how I'm supposed to understand it. But if I truly, truly, truly believe that He is good, I'll just give all of it. <laughs> because I know I can give all of it now, but He'll provide for tomorrow. Ah, <laughs> uh, friends. Your husband is an absolute terror of a man. And you sit here this morning and God speaks to you and he says, go home and wash, us, wash your husband's feet. And you think to yourself, no, I'll never do that. No, he's hurt me too much. I've been abused, I'll never do it. I won't wash his feet. And in that moment, you start to put God in your understanding of a religious box. Now I'll do this, I might make him dinner or lunch this afternoon, definitely not washing his feet. But if you truly believe that God is as good as what he says he is, then you can believe that he's able to work in your husband's heart right now. That by the time that you get home, his heart is wide open to receive everything that God wants to deposit in it. But he needs a seed, a seed that will die to itself. John 12, 24. Seed that can be placed into that ground so that something can live. Somebody that will tie a towel around their waist, wash their husband's feet so that your marriage can live again. I'm not sure if I'm speaking to the right people here this morning. still he remains standing why because he believes Yerak is it's true to his word sometime or another he'll do something with me and then let me take my seat again isn't that true calls him forward and he speaks to the crowd he challenges their mindset around what do you actually believe about God do you believe that he's so good that he can rid you of everything that's holding you back every piece of grave clothes that's been tying you up maybe for years Every form of worry, fear, depression, anxiety, addiction, doesn't matter what it is, God can liberate you in a moment if you would be willing to do what? Stretch forth your hand. Just that. Thank you. All Jesus wanted from that man is to be brave enough to stand and believe. And in the moment where God required of him a response, that he would take that hand of his. Remember to him, it's still the shriveled hand, the deformed hand. And in that moment, he probably thought to himself, what will people think if I, if I stretch this hand forth? His response was, what will people think? Some of your response in a moment as I make a call will be, what will people think? The what will people think has kept many people out of being revived. I can tell you this, that what will people think have kept many churches religious without any form of power or breakthrough. Listen to what I'm saying to you this morning, church. The what will people think, Jesus himself challenged that thing head on. Throughout scripture, we read constantly about the love of God 
versus the love for this world. I cannot have both. If I love this world, if man's opinion becomes heavier than the opinion of God, I've already lost my love for God. Then I cannot live in the fear of God. I'll never see the breakthrough that He wants me to see. In that moment, his focus was on what will people think, but all Jesus wanted him to do is to stretch it forth so that the focus will shift from what will people think to what can God do in my life? (laughs) What can God do in my life? What is God able to do in your life if you can trust Him enough to present yourself before Him? to stretch out that deformity in your life and say, God, here it is, unwrap me, God. Unwrap me, heal. God, do whatever you wanna do, but I present that before you. What is God not able to do in our lives? What is God not able to do in the lives of others? You see, here's the beautiful thing about the story. I'm coming in for a slow landing. Here's the beautiful thing about that story is Jesus goes to the temple. Why the temple? Let me show you why the temple. In that temple, in the synagogue, Jesus finds this man. In church, he finds a man with a deformity, a dysfunctionality. And he presents that man before that congregation. He does a miracle that everybody can see. And then the Bible says, the very next verse, that Jesus left the synagogue and he went to the lake. And everybody started following Jesus. Can I have that scripture? The next scripture, please. No, I didn't give it. Can somebody give me a Bible quickly? Just a Bible. Mark chapter number three. I'm not gonna run up now. I wanna read the scripture. Thank you. Mark chapter number three. Listen to this. And Jesus retired with his disciples to the lake and a great throng from Galilee followed him. Some translations say a multitude of people followed him. Also from Judea and from Jerusalem and Edomia and from beyond the Jordan and from about Tyre and Sidon. A vast multitude of people. And hearing all the many things that he was doing, they came to him. Yes, Jesus, picture this with me. He's at Empowered Church. Thank you, Pastor Shemaine, for your excitement. He's at Empowered Church, and he says, I want to do something great. But I I don't just want to do it for the multitudes of people. I want to start with individuals. I want to do something great for Zanin. I want to do something great for Francesca. I want to do something great for William. I want to do something great for Shaw. I want to do something great for every single one of you. But if you would trust me enough and stretch forth whatever deformity, whatever label the enemy has placed on you, I'm going to do something, and it's going to be a testimony. That will do what? Think with me. Here goes Jesus. He leaves in power church. He says, I'm going to the lake. Maybe for our um, sake, he's saying, I'm gonna go have lunch at Menland. Okay, that didn't work well. I'm gonna go have lunch at Vonnerboom Junction. Would that work better? Some of you are like, oh, that's close. I don't wanna drive that far. And all of a sudden, the Bible says people came from everywhere, not just in that community, from other towns and regions, meaning it's not just from Pretoria, not just our empowered church people. Now all of a sudden, Zanin leaves you. She's like, hey, Ma, uh, Pa, Buti, Sissy, Wim, Tani, Amo. Guys, Jesus did something amazing in church today. You should have seen it. He did something for me as well. He's going to Vonnerboom Junction. Meet us there. He's gonna do some more stuff there. He's gonna do some more things. Pastor Shemaine, she phones her mom. She's like, mom, you were in first service. I didn't see you in second service. Jesus did something amazing. 
it's going to vulnerable junction meet us there and all of a sudden people start calling people word gets out it's not just Pretoria North Bible says other towns and regions I mean people from Brits they're phoning you people from Fentersdorp Bloemfontein everywhere people are like what what happened in Power Church this morning I want to be part of that as well we where's Jesus they said no he's at vulnerable junction we're gonna have lunch together come on come on it sounds like revival People from everywhere, they're following. They're like, where's Jesus? Where's Jesus? All of a sudden, the manager at Cappuccino's, he's like, this is crazy. I haven't got so many space. Let's just feed people in the parking lots. Jesus starts multiplying burgers, pizzas. It's happening. Okay, this is my free translation. All of a sudden, revival breaks out. Revival in families. The whole families come to Christ. Little kids accept Jesus Christ. People that sick, they're in wheelchairs. They cannot walk. Now they walk. The blind see, the deaf hear, it's happening. People are hungry. Jesus says, don't worry, no worry, we did that. Uh, I've, I've got that under control. Just multiply it. Burgers for everybody. And he just goes and it's, you catch what I'm saying? Revival breaks out, but where did it start? One man. One man said I would be brave enough that if Jesus calls me for it I would be so hungry for what he wants to do I I so desire this hand to be restored that I would present it I would call a pastor on Monday and say please I need an appointment I want to come and see you I would go to my wife and say baby I'm sorry I would do anything that Jesus wants me to do but I want to be revived I want to be revived. That God will do something so powerful in your life that others will be revived through you. That you go home and all of a sudden your family looks at you and they say, you know what happened? And all you say is, I was, I was at Empowered Church and then I went to Vulnerable Junction and Jesus just got a hold of my life. And then that person in your family with a deformed hand, you say to him, Buddha, all I can tell you is you've got to stretch it forth. Just show it. Just give it to Jesus. Trust him. Just trust him enough that he can do it. He'll fix it, man. He can, he can take any broken thing and make it whole. <laughs> Revival is not if we get 20,000 people together at church. Revival is when sons and daughters come back home. When marriages are restored. It's when some of you can walk home today and kneel in front of your spouse and say, baby, I am sorry. I am sorry. That is revival. That's why Apostle Neville always says, and you've heard it in this church, revival looks like family. It looks like marriage is being restored. It looks like that friend of yours at work that's been having that back problem for years. You go into work on Monday and you're like, for you and in that moment you just lay that hand on that person's back and you say Jesus Jesus you can do anything you're the God that cannot fail God I call on your unfailing love not in my box not in my religion not in my understanding God I just let your love loose on this person's back and God heals one person and I tell you now by lunchtime you've got revival in your office 
Everybody will be standing in front of your office door. All of a sudden, revival breaks out. Why? Because we choose to believe that God cannot fail. But He wants somebody that will trust Him enough to say, God, I don't want to be wrapped in any form of grave clothes, deformity, dysfunctionality in my life. And God is calling people this morning. God is calling people to present themselves before Him. It's not about anybody in this church. It's not even about me. And I don't want anybody to respond this morning because your emotions have been stirred by a sermon. But God is calling people to respond this morning. As I prayed early this morning, the Lord said to me, Yerik, if people will present themselves before me today, I'll, 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 I'll transform any deformity into a functionality. I'll make marriages whole. I'll heal bodies. I'll restore finances. Can I just say this? There's many people, you might be sitting in this place, your, your finances is a mess. You've tried everything. You've done everything you can. You've got to surrender that to Jesus. You've got to believe that He's good enough that if He says in His Word, this is my principles for giving and receiving, that you will just trust Him enough. Trust in the unfailing love of God enough that you will just honor those principles. And I give you not my word, His word today, that you will see your finances change forever. <laughs> Worship team, come and join us. We've got to do business with God today, friends. We've got to do business with God today. Can I tell you what we don't need? We don't need another revival message. And then we respond. But on Monday, I'm back to where I used to be. What God wants from us is to say, Jesus, I'm giving you my deformed hand. Restore me. Heal me. Make me new. So that you can use my life as a revival to others as well. I don't want to do this with, I just want to ask this morning, if you are here and you say, Eric, you've preached to me, it's me. There's stuff in my life that keeps me from stepping into the revival, the reviving that God has for me. Might be addictions, might be fear, anxiety. Might be doubt, might be unbelief, might be a broken marriage. I don't know what your story is, but if you were presented before God this morning, He's gonna do something supernatural in your life. Why? Because He's good. And if that's you this morning, maybe I can ask everybody in this church, won't you stand for a moment? Come on. Let's stand. If you are here this morning and you say, Eric, that's me. I want you to be as brave as what Rechard was. And I want you to come to the front. You don't have to stand in a line. You can just present yourself before this altar. It's between you and God. But if there's things in your life that you need to break from today, I want you to come and present yourself before this altar, before the Lord this morning. I don't want to say anything else will go as He leads, but I want to make that invitation. That's what He showed me. 
If you've got loved ones, you can leave your belongings with them. You can bring it with. If you've got ushers that'll be watching out for the stuff, I don't want you to be worried or thinking about anything. But if this is the day where you say, God, I want to be revived. I don't want to just talk about revival anymore. I want revival in my life.